But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to raft, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourself and all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Stain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So we just did number 27. Father, we come tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we're gathered together as we are tonight. And uh, Lord, in obedience to the Word of God that's told us to to gather ourselves together for worship. And uh, Father, we gather for prayer, for worship, for Bible study. We ask you to bless tonight the Word of God, how we've enjoyed, or how I have enjoyed this book. I hope others have. And God, I pray you'd speak to us tonight out of this last chapter. I know there's so much in it. We could go back next week and start in chapter 1. And uh, Lord, we could pull out stuff again that not even touched and what we've already done. And uh, the Word of God is, uh, Lord, is so rich. And uh, we pray that you'll open our hearts and minds tonight to get something from the Lord and uh, leave here in a little while and uh, be glad we was here. And we'll ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, this book and the next book, of course, Second Thessalonians, is all about the coming of the Lord. For those of you that hadn't, uh, that maybe wasn't here on the particular night that we done this, but you'll notice in First Thessalonians chapter 5 that or cha- all the chapters, that all the chapters end with the coming of the Lord. If you look in chapter 1 and verse 10, the Bible said to wait for His Son, telling the church to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, was delivered us from the wrath to come. Chapter 2, verse 19, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus at His coming? Notice chapter 3, verse 13, to the end that He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. And of course, verse 17 of chapter 14 talks about the Lord coming in the air. And uh, and then uh, chapter 5, 
uh, says, I, uh, says uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Uh, amen. Verse 23, unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think we could say tonight, the bottom line is, He's coming. Uh, I think we could say that's the bottom line. And uh, we know that it's, uh, we don't know when it's going to come, but I've never seen a time that looked any more favorable than it does right now. And as far as all the, the signs, and there don't have to be any sign for the Lord to come, but there's signs before the Lord comes in the revelation. There is no sign that before He comes in the rapture, but when we see all the signs that point to the revelation, uh, when He comes with the saints, if we see all that going on now, we know we're pretty close. Uh, we know we've got to be close because if that stuff's going to happen down here and we're going to be raptured out before that, we've got to be uh, getting closer than we ever have. And so uh, Paul, he, uh, he tells us of the rapture in chapter 4 and what a great chapter that was and how encouraging that was. And he ends the thing with saying, now when you get down and out, comfort each other with the fact that the Lord's coming. He's going to bring your loved ones with Him. You're going to get to see Him again. He said, uh, comfort them. Of course, the word rapture uh, is not in the Bible. Of course, the word Bible is not in the Bible. Uh, and a lot of words are not in the Bible. Uh, but the word rapture, uh, that word, I think it's a, a Latin word, I believe. I may be wrong on that. But the word itself means caught up. Though rapture's not in the Bible, in verse number 17, you can circle that word caught up. And that's what that word rapture means. Uh, so uh, all this has been good and encouraging. And, uh, you know, it's like somebody, uh, somebody, you know, telling you something that's real good news and, and it's, you know, it's good and you're excited about it. And then they come down to the end of it and they say, uh, I might say it this way, your boss comes in and he says, well, I'm going to give you a raise this week and, uh, and we're going we're to give you some time off uh, and we're going to give you another day of vacation, but we're going to give you a raise, but you're going to have to do twice as much. We've had somebody, didn't, somebody quit, so you've got to do their part. And we're going to let you have some extra vacation days, but right now you can't be off for the next month. See that bud in there? Well, that's the way Paul's doing here. See, he's told him something really good. There's the Lord's coming, going to be rapture. We're going to be caught up with the Lord in the air. And then he says, but. Uh, he kind of builds you up. Uh, good news before the bad news. That's always the, uh, that's always the procedure of the Lord. Uh, don't never forget that. The Lord always gives you the good news uh, before the bad news. You'll find that in every one of the Revelation letters when the Lord writes those churches. If there's anything at all good the Lord can say about that church, He says it. And then He gives them the bad news on the end. That's a good rule of thumb in dealing with folks and in general. Is give if he if he can give anything good, do that first before you have to give the bad news, because that kind of cushions it a little bit, you know. Now, doctors they operate different than that. I've been in hospitals a lot over forty years. The doctor will come in. You're going to have a you're going to have a, a 
you know, some kind of surgery and the doctor tells you all that could happen. You could die on the operating table. Uh, this could uh, be worse than what we think. And I've noticed over the years, doctors always do that. They give you the worst because they, they know if you come out anything better, you're tickled to death. Yeah, I've noticed that. So the Apostle Paul here, now he's been talking to him about the rapture. And now he's going to talk to him about uh, leading up the time of the revelation. You'll notice uh, Paul has uh, he's already taught them about the day of the Lord. Uh, he was only there, remember, three weeks. But he had already taught them about the rapture and he had already taught them about the day of the Lord. You say, how do we know that? Because of verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So they already knew about it. And Paul was only there three weeks and these people knew a lot of things that people don't know that's been saved 30 years. And uh, Paul says uh, that it'll, it'll break in upon their lives like a thief. Uh, now the Lord's coming for the church, and that's also like a thief. How does a thief come? Well, he don't call you up and say, I'm going to break in tonight. He comes unannounced. And that's the way the Lord will do. In a moment, twinkling of an eye, trumpet of sound, it'll be unannounced. How does a thief do? Well, the thief comes in the night. They don't usually break in in the daytime. Most of the time, I know it has happened, but most of the time they come in the night. We're in the night. Paul said the night is far spent. The day's at hand. Uh, even though we're not of the night, we're in the night. Uh, Jesus is coming. And then when the thief comes, he takes all the valuables out. He's not coming in there and sacking up your garbage and taking it with him. He's not coming in there and getting something that ain't worth nothing. When that thief comes in, he's going to get the most precious stuff that there is there. When the Lord comes, he's going to get his people precious in the sight of the Lord. Is the death of his saints. Uh, one soul is worth more than all this world has to offer. So the Lord is coming to get the valuables out. When the thief comes, he leaves the junk behind. Like I said, he don't get your trash out of the trash can. He leaves it there. When the Lord comes from the church and gets it out, he's leaving all the trash behind. And then the thief comes and goes before anyone even knows he's there. Comes and goes and, and then you come home and you say, somebody's broke in their house. Well, that's the way it's going to be when the Lord comes. He's going to He's going to come and He's going to get His church. He's going to come. We're going to be gone before anybody even know He came. They're going to wake up the next morning or however it goes and they're going to all be gone. Uh, so that's, that's the way. But now this here is talking about the coming of the Lord and the revelation and the end of time. And it's kind of going to be the same way. Uh, the Lord, all this is going to happen real quick. It's going to happen unannounced. The Bible said in Revelations, uh, when we studied Revelations, uh, you probably don't remember this, but you may have thought it when you read Revelations, uh, right there in the very beginning of uh, Revelations. Uh, the Lord says, uh, Behold, uh, I come 
to see how that is, how that's worded. Uh, Revelations 1, he said, uh, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, verse 1, to show unto his servant the things which must shortly come to pass. Well, they haven't come to pass yet. But he said shortly because once they start, they'll happen real quick. We've been waiting a long time. Uh, but once this thing gets into gear, it'll happen real quick. It's all got to be over uh, in seven years. Uh, probably a little less than that as far as the tribulation is concerned. Uh, so, he said, uh, Yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh of the thief in the night. So when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now we know that's not talking about now. You say, why? You heard anybody saying peace and safety? What we hear now is wars and rumors of wars. Uh, what we hear now is uh, uh, somebody's going to, uh, the guy over in North Korea has shut off some more missiles and this, that, and the other. Uh, so this is talking about a time, you see the troublemakers are you folks. The reason we can't have peace is because of you. It's that church that's a problem. If we could get rid of that church, we could get everybody together and we could have peace if we could get rid of them. We could get the Muslims, the Catholics, and we could get everybody together and if it wasn't for that bunch, uh, bunch of Bible believers. If we get rid of them, we, could, we know peace would be about to start. Well, they're going to get rid of us. They're not. God is. And uh, it's not that we don't want to go. We're just waiting on our ride. But the Lord's coming. And one day they're going to wake up and all these churches uh, that are the true church of the living God and all the people that are truly a child of God and they might be, uh, they might be of a lot of different persuasions, but people that are really saved one day they're going to all be taken away in a moment, twinkling of an eye. That's going, to be, uh, that's going to be lots of people, millions of people missing at one time. And after a few days when the world realizes we're gone, they're going to say, now we can have some peace. So now we can have some peace and safety and everything will be good. But right the opposite. The Bible said, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. You see, we're what's holding all this back. Amen. We're not what's causing it, we're what's holding it back. Right. Only he that now letteth will he let until he be taken out of the way. If it wasn't for us, Roe versus Wade wouldn't be overturned. I know it's not overturned, but it is to a greater extent a lot better than what it was. Uh, if it wasn't for us, they'd be doing a lot worse than what they've already done. And uh, the same-sex marriage and all that stuff, it would have been in a long time ago if it hadn't been for the church and the people standing against it. And so, uh, so when they get us out of the way, this thing's going to go real fast. The Bible says that you are salt 
and you're light. Now Sally Malik could tell you that salt keep, preserves things and it keeps it from going bad. She salts some hams down. And salt is a preservative. Keeps things from going bad. Light is the same way. Uh, things go bad quicker in the dark than to do the light. And once the salt and the light has gone out of this world, putrefaction is going to set in pretty quick and these things are going to be rotten to the core. In them last few years, the Bible said, uh, Sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child. They shall not escape. Got several women in here that's had children. They know what it is uh, to have uh, those birth pains. Now, once they really start, they don't stop. Once you might have false labor pains, but once they really start, they don't stop. They keep getting worse. Can I get an amen? You still ain't stopped, all right. Proves my point. Okay, here's why he said that, like a woman with labor pains. He's saying once this thing starts, it ain't going to stop. We see things like the COVID. Uh, We all wondered if we'd ever see any kind of normalcy at all again in our world, and I'm sure you're like me. I've rode down the road heading somewhere and saying, Lord, I thank you. I didn't think I'd ever get to do this again. I didn't know how it was going to be. And uh, so we had that, but it, it's kind of it's still around, but nothing like what it was. Uh, it stopped. We've had several things. We've had different wars and things, and, and they finally got them stopped. But when this thing starts, there's no stopping. Uh, there's no stopping. That's what he's saying there. But then he says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. In other words, we shouldn't be surprised when we see these things happening. Uh, It shocks us. We never thought we'd see some of the stuff we see today in our lifetime. But we shouldn't be surprised, really, if we have any time at all in the Bible and good, solid Bible teaching. We know the Bible said it's all coming. Uh, It's got to come. Jesus said these things must come to pass. So we know they're coming. Uh, So we're not in the dark about this thing. You see, a lot of people's in the dark about stuff. I went over, uh, Max Helen was uh, sick a month or so ago, and and I went over to Cracker Barrel to eat uh, by myself, and I did bring her back something, ladies. And, uh, but I went in there, and there's this man there that I know and his wife and their older people. And uh, I was just standing there waiting, you know, to get in. And uh, his wife walks up, to, up there, and she says, What do you think about these gas prices? I said, They're bad. She said, I know. She said, Our president's doing everything he can <laughs> to try to help it. I said, <clears throat> I said, what he needed to have done is left that pipeline open. She said, well, said they were selling all that oil anyway. I said, well, it looked like they could, could have kept it here. And I could see her husband over there. He's, he's saying, oh, God, don't keep talking. Because <laughs> she, was, she, was she was getting more heated up all the time. 
And uh, so I, I just dropped the subject. But you see, there's people in the dark. They can't see it. Now, Jesus said, having ears to hear, you don't hear. Having eyes to see, they can't see. And uh, there's people that don't think there's a thing in the world wrong uh, with uh, same-sex marriage. They don't have a problem with it. I'm talking about church folks. Uh, they don't think there's anything wrong with it. But you see... The children of light are not in the dark. He said, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. In other words, don't be shocked when all this uh, stuff happens. Uh, so, uh, he says, uh, ye are the children of light and children of the day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. In other words, uh, we're not to just go to sleep like the world has and they just do whatever they want to do and you just go about your merry way and you're not thinking nothing about it. Uh, we're not to sleep and we're to be sober. Now that word sober don't mean to be uh, not to be drunk, although you shouldn't be drunk, uh, but it means to be serious-minded about these things. Uh, take these things serious. Uh, coming of the Lord is serious. Amen? Uh, so... Uh, so we're not surprised about all this stuff. We've got a Bible and it shines some light on the subject. We are the children of the light. We're not living in night or darkness. And uh, we are to be awake and alert. We should be awake and alert. Uh, I, don't, I haven't watched the news hardly at all. Uh, just five minutes or something maybe at night. Uh, I just quit watching it because really... It's just the same old stuff, program after program. And, uh, you know, a lot of it's fake news anyway. Uh, but we need to read our Bible. We do need to watch a little of it to be alert and know what's going on in the world. He said, uh, uh, others are asleep, verse 7. He said, we're not asleep as others. Others are asleep and idle. Now, three things mark the children of God in verse 8. He said, but let us who are of the day be sober, be serious, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Three things mark the child of God. Faith, love, and hope. And not necessarily in that order, but ten times, uh, ten times in the, in, the, in the New Testament, those words are linked together. Faith, love, and hope. And in uh, chapter 13, uh, uh, it says at the end of that, uh, it says uh, about, three, about three things. Faith, hope, and love, and it's, or charity. It said the greatest of these is charity. And love is the greatest. You say, why? Because when you get to heaven, you won't need faith no more. You'll see Jesus, and you'll be there. You won't need that no more. Uh, you won't need hope no more because you'll have wrenched your hope. Uh, your hope's within the veil, and you'll need that. But I tell you what you'll always need, no matter how long you live throughout eternity, you'll, live, you'll need love. And heaven will be a place of perfect love. Amen. But ten times uh, that's listed that way in the Bible, faith, love, and hope. Ten in the Bible is a number of testimony. If you check out Bible numerology, and uh, get your book on Bible numerology. Uh, 
It'll tell you ten is always the number of testimony. Why? Well, you got the Ten Commandments. And uh, how close you live to them will be how good a testimony you got. Uh, you have the ten spies. What did they do? They went out to view the land and they come back and they give a testimony of what they found. You had uh, ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish and they both give a testimony. One of them didn't have all uh, and the other one did. The tithe is a tenth. That's a testimony of how much faith you got in God. Somebody got quiet on that. But a tenth is a tithe, and a tenth is a type of the testimony, and you've got to have some faith to pay your tithes. And, it's, and you're going to have to have more faith as time goes on. This gas gets up to... It keeps going up. It's down a little bit now, so I'm not putting any... I did this on the things anymore because it's went down a little bit. I don't I want them to think Joe Biden had anything to do with that. Uh, but it takes faith. People, people that don't tithe, it's not that they don't have money. It's that they don't have faith. You say, what do you mean? Well, you don't think God can take care of you if you give God what's His. Uh, you say, well, I, I, just don't, I just don't have the money. Well, if you ain't got money, your tithe wouldn't be much. I mean, it's fair. It's the same for everybody. And uh, old story, but the lady told me she didn't have money to pay her tithe. She was mad at her son because he was trying to get her, told her she needed to tithe. And, and uh, so we talked for a while. And I said, I don't know, ma'am. I said, I don't know about your finances. And, you know, I'm... I'm not judging them. I'm not in a position, but I just I said all I know is the Bible said that uh, we're supposed to tithe, and I said there ought to be a way somewhere. And she kind of went out, and a few minutes she come back in. And she said, "How much did you say my tithe would be?" Because she was on fixed income. She told me what it was, and I told her, and she said, "That's exactly what I'm spending on cigarettes a month." I said, "There you go." Where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, so it's 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 a ten is a is a testimony, and uh, ten times that's in the Bible: faith, love, and hope. Uh, the greatest verse of promise uh, in all of First Thessalonians for us uh, personally is verse nine, and you ought to mark that in your Bible. That's why you're not going in the tribulation. That's why you're not going through the tribulation. The Bible said, For God hath not appointed us to wrath. That's what the tribulation is. It's God's wrath upon Israel and the world. The Bible said it's a time of Jacob's trouble. That's Israel. You're not Jacob. You're the church. God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. I used to preach a message years ago uh, on three three appointments we have. We have an appointment with death, and then uh, one of the appointments we have is we have an appointment to obtain salvation. The uh, Lord's going to meet us somewhere down the road. Don't mess your appointment uh, to get that. Uh, so uh, this is a great verse of promise and praise, and thank God it tells us of a personal appointment that we have to obtain salvation 
but God hath not appointed us to rapt. That means you're not going to have to go through the tribulation. Uh, you're not going to be here when all them things that I told you in Revelations when we went through it that none of them had happened yet. If you're saved and a child of God, you've not been appointed to that. Uh, that's appointed to Israel. Alright, the rest of the letter, uh, he says in verse 10, he said, talking about the Lord Jesus, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Now here's the purpose of the letter being wrote. Because they had had loved ones that had died and uh, maybe martyred during this time. It could have been martyred. And they didn't know where they was at. They didn't know what had happened to them. Uh, they didn't know if they'd ever see them again. Paul had only been with them three weeks and he didn't get to deal with all that. And so he tells them in verse 10 that Christ died for us that whether we wake, we're alive, we're living, we're awake, or we sleep, we died, we should live together with Him. That's saying that we're a winner either way. If we live, we live for Him and with Him. Paul said for me to live as Christ. Paul was saying if I live, I'm going to live for the Lord if I live. And he said if, if I die, he said I'm going to die for the Lord. He said I'm in a strait between the two, I have a desire to part and be with Him. But uh, it may be need for me to bide here. And uh, so uh, he says, he tells these people, I want you to be comforted by what I told you back in chapter 4. Your loved ones that died in the Lord, they're with Jesus. Some people say, well, they're asleep in the grave. No, their bodies are asleep in the grave. But the Bible said in Ecclesiastes 12 that. The body goes back to dust from which it came, but the Spirit goes back to God that gave it. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9, he said to be absent from this body, which is death, he said is to be present with the Lord. And so our loved ones are with the Lord. You say, how, how are they? What are they like? I don't know. The Bible said it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Uh, but when He appears, we'll be like Him. We know a little bit about heaven. We're not given volumes about heaven in the Bible, but we're given enough to make us want to go there. And the Bible says that He tells these people, your loved ones are with the Lord. And He said, if, if you die before He comes back, you're going to be with the Lord. And if He comes back before you die, He's bringing them with Him and you're going to all be together. And so He says, take comfort in that. And so He he, that's the whole purpose of the, of the letter, chapter 1, is to let these people know where their loved ones are. He said, Wherefore, comfort yourself together and edify one another even also as you do. And that's what we do, you know, when our loved ones pass away. And we tell each other, you know, well, they're with the Lord and we'll get to see them again. And uh, we comfort one another with uh, words like that. Okay, he said, We beseech you, brethren, uh, to know... Uh, them which labor among you, to know them, get to know them, uh, know the people that, that God has put. And notice this, that they are to labor. It's people that's laboring among you. And he said, are over you in the Lord. Somebody said, well, ain't nobody over me. He said that somebody was. 
uh, I think it's over in, uh, uh, let's see, uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. He said, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Not by filthy, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Now, the Lord is not in the business of, of a pastor being a lord, a dictator. That's not what the Lord says. But He says that the pastor is to be the overseer. He's kind of overseeing things and making sure things are going like they ought to go and maybe see something coming in, don't need to come in. And, and uh, He has to kind of oversee that. Uh, but not as lords, not as a dictator. Uh, we studied uh, back in chapter 2 about the Apostle Paul. We seen what his manner was. He said, I was like a father. I was like a nurse. He was gentle. He, he, he would dealt with people. There's no meanness in Paul. Uh, there's no uh, mean preacher like sometimes you, uh, you hear about or see. There's none of that with Paul. He, he deals with people uh, like a nurse and treats people in the right way, and that's the way God wants us to treat each other. The uh, Lord don't want us screaming, yelling at each other. The uh, Lord don't want that. Uh, he wants us to, to be courteous and kind, and if uh, we try to practice that, even when we've got problems, things will go a whole lot better. A uh, whole lot better. So he says to know them. Uh, the church was not left. Now Paul left the church after three weeks. But the church was not left without leaders. You say, how you know that? Because he said, esteem them. Uh, said, I beseech you, brother, know them which labor among you. Even though Paul was there only three weeks, he had already established some leadership in that church. Uh, somebody asked me one time. Uh, they said, uh, why, do you, why do you make all the calls and shots? I said, well, because somebody needs to, and I figure if I don't, you will, and I'm going to have to answer for it, so I'm going to do it. Pastor's going to have to answer for it if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be responsible for it. Uh, I'm going to be the one that sees over it. Uh, it's the way I believe. A lot of these churches are set up with a deacon board, and the deacon board runs the church. A lot of them have some woman that runs the church, and and that business ain't right. Uh, there's supposed to be a a, a man uh, over the church. Uh, it's supposed to be a pastor over the church. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, Know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. In other words, sometimes uh, the preacher may have to say, uh, uh, You know, I don't really think it's good what you're doing here. And uh, maybe you ought to think about that and not go that way or whatever. And admonish you a little bit. In other words, trying to steer you in the right direction. Sometimes people just need a little steering in the right direction. We all get off track. Uh, sometimes we all need somebody to just not scream and yell at us and, uh, and threaten us, but to try to 
as a father or nurse, try to be gentle and try to get somebody going in the right direction. Uh, that's what he's saying here. Now we exhort you, brother, warn them that are unruly. Well, sometimes sometimes the person's over you, you got to warn somebody. Hey, you're a little out of line here. Y'all seen me do that a few times. Not a lot, but a few times. I remember uh, one Wednesday night, there was a fella here, he could make three of me, he could have broke me in half and stopped me to the ground. But he stood up and he was starting to talk about family members here and I called him down. I said, no sir, you can't do that here. You sit down right now. And to my amazement, he sat down. I'm sure glad he sat down. Because <laughs> I didn't want to be running around. But sometimes, sometimes uh, you have to do that. Somebody's, somebody's got to keep things in order. Uh, God wants things done decently and in order. So he said, now we exhort you, brother, and warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded. Now that don't mean people that's weak-minded. Uh, what that means, uh, feeble-minded, when you, when you kind of study it out there, he said, support the weak, be patient toward all men. That means like people that uh, their health's gone bad, uh, They've got weak. They can't come to church like they ought to come to church. Uh, we need to comfort them. Uh, I have people all the time t- just in tears telling me, Brother Ricky, I'm so sorry I, I can't be at church. And I said, this is comforting them. Brother, God knows you're not able to come. God knows your heart. Uh, you come when you're able to come. God understands. If you make it there one time a month, you're maybe doing better than some folks coming every Sunday that ain't got a thing wrong with them. See, that's what he's talking about, comforting people. Some of you do that when you, uh, you go to the nursing home, see folks that are not able to come. Of course, they ain't able to do that uh, very much in the last two or three years. But you support them. You support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Just think about how patient the Lord was with you and me. And still is. We don't always come around right when we ought to. The Lord said be patient. The Lord's patient. I I thank God He is. The Bible said the Lord is slow to anger. I'm glad He is. And He said, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves, and to all men. So he's talking about how we ought to relate and treat each other. And uh, we shouldn't be, uh, I'll get you back. I'll get you if it's the last thing I do. You done me bad, I'll get you bad. I'll, 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 I won't treat you right. I won't say nothing to you. I won't talk to you. I won't be around you. I won't have nothing to do with you. You say, well, they done me wrong. Did you ever do anybody wrong? The Bible says, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and all men. That's what God would have us to do. And then he goes into uh, to what we ought to do uh, as, as Christians in our daily living. He said, 
Rejoice evermore. And I've been over this a lot of times. Y'all know that little RE word. Whenever you find it, it just means do it again. Uh, rewind the tape. You're going to watch it again. Uh, replay the game. You're going to play it again. And to rejoice means we do it again. I mean, we just done this last Wednesday night. But we're doing it again. We just sung Amazing Grace. We just sung that last Sunday, but we're going to gather back in. We're going to sing it again this Sunday. They just give their testimony last week. Give it again. See, rejoice. He's saying, do it again, do it again. That's what church is. We just keep doing it over and over again. We've done had revivals, but we're going to have some more. See, you just keep doing it over and over again until you don't have to do it no more because Jesus comes. He said, pray without ceasing. You say, what's that mean? It means never stop praying. I don't think if you're saved, you ever will. If you know anything about God, when trouble comes your way, you're going to pray. And I'd say most people that know the Lord, they're going, to, they're going to pray daily. He said Luke 18, 1, Jesus said men ought always to pray. Philippians 4, 5, and 6, uh, the Bible says there, uh, Philippians 4, and verse uh, 5, He talks about the, uh, uh, the Lord coming. I can't... Remember right now, let me look at it. First Peter uh, 4, or Philippians. Philippians 4, uh, and uh, verse 5. It slipped my mind. Uh, Be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto the Lord. For the Lord is at hand. Uh, amen. So he's saying, pray about everything. And uh, boy, that's a good rule of thumb right there if you can learn to do that. Just just get in the habit of just praying about everything. Uh, and it goes a lot better. The Lord said in praying without ceasing, He's not meaning that, uh, he's not meaning that uh, you don't do nothing all day long except just stay in the closet praying. Uh, but He's saying just stay in that state of mind uh, that, that everything is getting prayed about. Uh, if you get a call and and uh, kids got trouble, pray about it. Uh, if you get a call, uh, somebody's got bad news at the doctor, pray about it. Uh, you can pray going down the road. Boy, I just learned that about four years ago. I've wasted a lot of time driving that I could have been praying. Uh, but uh, when I go from a meeting or somewhere three or four hours, uh, I just pray sometimes if, Maybe for an hour, just driving, just pray. And uh, I found out that that works a lot better than listening to music. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of times we can pray and we'll never go wrong with that. And he says, uh, give thanks for everything. I want to I wanna give you something on that that, that uh, really helped me. Uh, when I seen it, trying to get back to where I was. All right, take your pencil and in verse 18 or your ink pen, circle the first word in verse 18. 
What is that first word? Okay. He said, in everything give praise, not for everything. You don't thank God that you got cancer. You don't thank God that something tragedy happened to your... Uh, you're not thankful for what's happened, but you're thankful in that. There's always something to be thankful for in it. There's some things that's hard to give thanks to God for because you're maybe not supposed to thank God for them, but you're supposed to thank God in it. Does that make any sense? You You thank God in it. There's something good in it. Just find it. And give God thanks even while you're in it. Uh, we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and call according unto His purpose. We know that. Uh, but I don't think the Lord wants me to thank Him for cancer. But I do think, want to thank the Lord wants me to thank the Lord. I got doctors and medicines and hospitals and grace and mercy and I'm saved and I'm going to heaven if it takes its toll. Uh, I can thank God in all things. I can't always thank God for all things. So, he said, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's one of them will of God things. He said, I don't know what the will of God is for me. Give thanks in everything. That's God's will. Verse 19, quench not the Spirit. This is aimed more toward others than it is to you. You say, what do you mean? Well, have you ever seen people quench the Spirit in somebody else? I've done it. I'm sorry afterwards I did it, but I've done it. You say, what do you mean? Like like somebody gets on fire for the Lord and you're not on fire anymore? And they're all excited and everything and you say, yeah, you just don't know, buddy. You better calm down a little bit. You quenched his fire. I'll tell you a good Briley that Sheila and Sammy brought to church. And uh, I, love, I love this fella. He's got a good spirit about him. But until he come over here, he never had done much business with them tracks. And uh, Sunday night out there on the porch, he asked me, he said, uh, can I get a couple more of them tracks? I said, you can get the whole rack if you want to. I said, that's what they're there for. They're not here for people to look at. I said, they don't do any good here unless we get them out somewhere. And he said, well, he said, I was... He said, I haven't been doing that, but he said, I went to eat with a bunch of people the other day, Christian people. And he said, we got through eating. He said, I got my tip out and and I laid a track down there and under my tip. And he said, one of the guys with me said, don't do that. I said, don't you listen to him. I said, you know why he said don't do that? Because he got under conviction when you did it because he, he's not doing it. He's not doing it. But you know what that did? That would have just quenched his spirit. He's trying to grow. He's trying to do something he hadn't done before. He's growing. 
And then some old, cold Christians don't do that. If you want to see some of that, get you one of them signs and get up there on 31 next time we do it. And uh, people will pass by and they'll say, that's awful. I remember the first time I was uh, preaching on a street corner and uh, I was scared to death anyway and this car pulled up and they rolled the window down and he said, you folks are pitiful. He said, ain't you got a better place, a way to do this than this? I know the Lord gave it to me. I said, yes sir we do, but you won't come to church on Sunday morning. But you see, don't let you and me quench other people's fire. Sometimes, there's going to be times, and I, I know you folks know this, but there's going to be times we're going to be out of season. We still preach, we still sing, we still teach, but we're just out of season. But somebody else may be in season. And we don't need to quench their fire while they're in season just because we're out of season. Really, when your fire goes out, thank God somebody else has still got some, and as long as somebody's still got some, we're all right. It might catch on us, but if we all go out, we're in trouble. He said, don't quench the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. Well, you know when you despise prophesying and preaching when you're not right with the Lord. You don't want to hear preaching when you're not right with the Lord. You don't want to hear Jesus is coming if you backslidden, ain't living for God. So he said, don't despise it. Stay right with God. Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Boy, if there was ever a day that we needed that one, we need it today. Prove all things. And I don't mean fact check it on your phone. Because of the Fact checker may be wrong. You don't know. Uh, one thing Donald Trump did is he pointed out the fact there's a whole lot of fake news out there. But you and I have the truth and we're to prove all things with this, this right here. Abstain uh, from all appearance of evil. Somebody said, what's that mean? Well, Take it to just mean abstain from all appearance of evil, we better dig a hole and get in the ground. Because this world's evil. But what it's saying, I like what an old, uh, an old black preacher said years ago when he was explaining that verse, and he said, well, he says what that verse means is he says don't stoop to tie your shoes in your neighborhood's neighbor's watermelon patch. Because it might appear you're stealing watermelons. So what he's saying, what he's saying is, don't do things that appear. I remember Brother McCowns uh, when I was up there preaching revival for him, and uh, we stopped somewhere, and uh, and uh, one of us, I don't remember who it was, it wasn't him, but one of us got a root beer, and he said, uh, I don't drink root beer. I said really? He said yeah. He said, we weren't allowed to drink it growing up. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, because them bottles look just like a beer bottle. 
He said, even though you're drinking uh, root beer, somebody's seen you going down the road with that, it, the appearance is that you're drinking beer. So if you drink root beer, pour it in a blue cup or something like that, uh, if you would. But you see the gist of the verse. Uh, in other words, don't be in the beer section at Walmart with the door open. Putting tracks in there. We'll let that pass. Yeah, but you see, you see the gist of what it's saying. Don't be coming out of the cinema when it says out front, X-rated movie. So, we all know what... we got the Holy Spirit in us. He knows, he knows what we need to do. Verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, body be blameless to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. We're out of time, but I do want to comment on that. The Apostle Paul wrote 14 books of the Bible revealed seven mysteries that nobody knew until the New Testament and God revealed them to Paul. He says, pray for me. Paul needed prayer. I remember an old preacher preached up in the old building, Brother Ernest Deweese, it was his brother or something. He's an old preacher. He's a good old man. But he preached one night and he said he'd preached in a Bible, preacher's fellowship or something. And he said this, this preacher before him said he'd come up there and he said, all right, he said, open your Bibles. And he said, I don't need you to pray for me. I pray for myself. And he said, I don't, I don't need anybody's prayers. He said, I do my own praying. I don't need your prayers. And he said he went on. He got done. Brother Dewey said he walked up there and he said, would you pray for me? That's the Spirit. We all need somebody to pray for us. I forgot who it was this week. Somebody said, Preacher, uh, I'm praying for you. And uh, said, Sometimes I just pray for you accidentally. I said, I'll take them anyway and get them. Need all I can get. Amen. Father, we come to You tonight. We thank You, Lord, for...